0: the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor Chris Sistar. I'm doing a series on freedom and I've been talking about God liberating us and setting us free in various ways. But today I want to talk about being free to praise the Lord. And so I told Pastor Billy as we were preparing for today I said I really feel like I need to preach on this and then you guys come back out and we'll let the word affect us and hopefully it'll affect our praise now the Lord really moved in that first service and I really feel like God really set people free and I'm believing he'll do the same thing this morning how many would like to see that how many would like to just know the, the freedom that God gives to not be bound up anymore I all right God can do it so in 2 Samuel chapter 6, I want to read verses 12 through 16. Keep that. Keep your Bible there. Now, it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And a, and a parallel passage says with all kinds of other music as well. And now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, by the way, which is David's wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. All right, you can be seated today. I believe that there is a praise crisis in the church today. I'm going to say that again. I believe there is a praise crisis in the church today. Far too many believers are bound up when it comes to praise. And they cannot praise God, or worse yet, they will not praise God. I'm not saying it's everybody and it's everywhere, but for me, I can see it evident across this land. I think it's evident in the general church. Uh, I think it's evident in the Christian music that is being produced. If you'll notice, there is a plethora of worship songs in the Christian music world. We, we've done a great job of writing wonderful, beautiful worship songs that are dedicatory. And that's great. And, and I thank God for that. And, and, and I think worship shows a depth that you can have uh, in, in spiritually. But when you try to find praise songs, songs that are celebratory, you'll f- struggle. Uh, I hate to say this. Maybe I shouldn't say this. Some of them are just cheesy. I'm just being honest they're just cheesy and they and they perform well or they they do well on an album but in church they don't translate and it's hard pastor Billy'll tell you it's just difficult he he struggles constantly trying to find songs of celebration that can help us to celebrate and praise the lord I think it's also evident in the way that praise and worship team members conduct themselves on platforms all across America this morning. All across America right now, there are people standing on a stage with the label praise team member or worship leader. There may be churches with choirs, and these people are on the stage, and some of them are in robes, and some of them are not, and they're holding microphones, or microphones are on stands. And they've practiced and rehearsed and they get up and they sing a series of songs and they're supposed to be praisers and they're supposed to be worshipers. But what you get is like the old song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And they stand like a tree in the forest, rigid with their mic and they don't move and some of them don't even smile and they sing their songs And they get walk off the stage and they said, Wow, I really led the congregation in praise today. And the reality is, they did not. Let's stop calling something something that's not. They did not. All they did was sing. All they did was sing. We have a crisis in America. I think this crisis is not just in the general church, but I think it's in a lot of spirit filled churches too. Not every church. And I'm not saying this church, but I do think sometimes if shoe fits, you ought to wear it. Now, I'm 54, and I've seen both ends of the transition in praise and worship and music in the church. I've seen us, I was living when contemporary Christian music was first birthed. I remember those days, okay? And then I've seen where we've come through the 80s. And we got through the 90s and into the 2000s. And now we've transitioned. And the church world, it's changed and things have changed. And I've led this church through this change. And some, A lot of people liked it. Some people didn't. Okay? So I know we've gone through this change. But, but let me just tell you something. It's going to sound like sentimentality or nostalgia. I don't mean it. I'm just telling you, there was a time in Pentecostal, Spirit-filled churches we used to shout. We used to be energetic and vibrant when we sang the songs like we meant them like they had value to us like the words resonated with us like they were our testimony there was a time when we clapped our hands there was a time when there were a few folks would run the aisles there was a time when we would dance and jump up and down there was a time when people would get out and put their hands up and walk the aisles and and shout hallelujah Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes just go, woo, there was a time. And I don't know, I'm not saying that that time's past. I'm not saying that churches don't still do that. But what I'm saying is what I've noticed, it frightens me as a spirit-filled believer is that now in a lot of churches, we just sit or we stand and we do nothing. We do what we're told to do. Everybody stand up, we stand up. Everybody sit down, we sit down. Everybody sing this song. Some sing, some don't. Everybody clap your hands and give praise to God. Some clap, some don't. Some stand there with their arms folded like this, almost in defiance. What's happened to us? What's happened to us? We go through the motions. I know not everybody's like this, but y'all far too many are like this. I don't think we've lost our ability to praise. I just think we've lost our ability to praise Jesus. We praise our spouse, we praise our kids, we praise our grandchildren, we praise our coworkers when they do good, we praise our employees when they do good. We love to praise athletes on our favorite team when they score a basket or they, we can talk about their stats and we can spit off their stats like this. We can talk, we love to praise. So it's not that we don't praise, but it's, it's praising Jesus that seems to be our problem. We shout at our children's games and our grandchildren's ball games We jump up and down and high five, I've done it, high five total strangers pulling for our favorite college sports teams in an arena or a coliseum. We pay good money and go to a concert for our favorite musical artist with a bunch of strangers and we laugh and we sing every song because we've got all the words memorized. We can sing them all and we sing along with our favorite artists and we sway and we move and we dance and we get all excited and they'll try to get us to do things and we'll yell back at them and do whatever they prompt us to do in a concert with your favorite country music artist or pop artist. But then that's on Saturday then Sunday morning you come to church and you just stand there and you fail to exert the same kind of energy and effort that you did last night. And then we come to church and wonder why our spiritual life is so bad, and why the church service seems so dry and uninteresting. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a bondage. We sit and stand like we have a ball and chain around our hands and our feet, like someone's put a muzzle on our face, and we can't talk. Our minds wonder. Our thoughts are not on the Lord. We look at the clock and we start daydreaming about what we're gonna do when church is over. Y'all, that's a bondage. I just came here this morning to tell you I have an objective, and I have a heart's desire, and that is we need to bring praise back into the church. Somehow we gotta get celebration back into the church. Somehow we've got to get our freedom. We've got to, God's got to break the chains and free us so that we can praise God in spirit and with power and with unction and with anointing and that we can learn how to celebrate Jesus once again. Maybe maybe the issue is that we don't really know what praise is. I mean, do you really understand praise? Let me just take a little bit and talk about praise. We need, we need this. I'm being a pastor today as well as a preacher. Praise in its simplest form is expression. It's a means of conveying your admiration or making known to God your respect and your gratitude. It's expression. I mean, if you're going to praise, there has to be some kind of expression to God. All right? It's it's not a mind thing where I just stand there and think good thoughts and God and I do this mind meld and, and that's how we deal. No, it's true biblical praise, Is doing things, saying things, expressing yourself to the Lord. Listen, I told you earlier, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. God does great and impressive things, right? Would you agree with that? God does great and impressive things. He does great and impressive things for you. And if he does, then that means he should be praised for what he does. He should be praised for who he is. He has blessed you, hasn't he? And if he has blessed you, you should express your gratitude to him for all of those blessings. That's praise. A husband once asked his wife, why don't you ever compliment me on how I dress or how much I mean to you? And the wife replied, well, I think about it. Does that count? When it comes to praise, thinking about it doesn't count. If you think about the goodness of the Lord and you think about what God has done for you, you can't just think about it. You have to stop and open your mouth and exert energy and put effort forward to express to him, to convey to him your gratitude for the good things that he has done in your life. I, have, I love one-liners, okay, but let me just say this first. Someone said it seems like some people look for ways to do as little as possible to praise God. That's sad, isn't it? To come to church and look for ways to do as little as possible to praise God. That's not how it should be if you're saved. If you're saved, you should be looking for ways out of expressing your praise. You should be looking to to let out your praise to the Lord for every opportunity to lift up his name. All right, here's my little one-liner. What you feel within should flow out. What you think should flow out. Are are you all with me? If it's inside, get it out. Here's my favorite one. What you know has got to flow. Right? What you know has got to flow. If you know he's been good, it's got to flow out. Look, i got to tell somebody. i got to tell God. I've got I've to sing about it. I've got to praise. What you know has got to flow. We, praise is, is, is expression. So why do we praise God? That's a good question. Why do we praise God? Well, number one, we praise God because of who God is. I could preach entire sermons on every one of these things, but I'm just going to shoot them out here at you. We praise God because of who he is. He's God. Okay, we praise God because of what he has done. When God does something good for you, if God answers a prayer, God comes through for you, you tell people. And when you tell people, Praise is your way of retelling God's story in your life. You see that? Praise is a way to retell the work of God in your life. So we praise God for who He is and we praise God for what He's done and then we praise God because of what He's going to do. If you come on this Wednesday night, three nights from now, for our prayer time, we all pray alone for a while. And then normally I bring the congregation, intercessors together, and we conclude with a corporate prayer. And most of the time I say to the, the prayers, let's praise God in advance for what we've prayed for tonight in believing that God's going to bring it to pass. See, we practice that. So it prepares you for the work of God that God is going to do. You praise him in advance. That's an act of faith. And let me just show you, praise will ultimately benefit you. So when you praise God, what it does is it positions positions you to enter into the promises of God. Because you're claiming a promise and you're saying, God, I'm believing this is going to happen. I'm asking you to do this in my life. Now, Lord, I just praise you and believe that it's going to happen by faith. And see, it's an act of faith and it generates faith as you praise him for it. That's a benefit. Another benefit is when you praise, the presence of God comes down in your life. You always have Jesus with you through the Holy Spirit, but there's there's one thing to having Jesus, there's another thing when God manifests his presence. It's one thing to have Jesus, but it's something else when the goosebumps get on the back of your neck. When the hair stands up on your arm, when the power of God begins to flow and you start jerking a little bit, going, whoa, God, I feel him. Mm. Whoo, I'm feeling him. I, I, I got to stand up. I can't sit down anymore. I'm feeling him in this. When you pray, see, some people want God to touch them before they pray. I'm teaching you that if you praise him, then he'll show up and touch you. You can't just sit there and say, I'll move when I feel something. No, you praise him, and then you'll feel something, and God will begin to work in you. When the praises go up, the power and the presence and glory of God comes down. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of Israel. We transcribe that to say God inhabits the praises of his people. The principle is that when you praise him, God makes himself at home in your situations. That's why Jesus and a lot of churches this morning that are going through the motions and people are singing but refuse to praise is not in that church service, but he's outside in the front doors banging on the doors, knocking, saying, somebody let me in. When you praise, you wield a spiritual weapon. Sometimes we'll sing... praise being a weapon time and time again in the Old Testament the army of Israel would be mustered and they would go out to face the enemy and God would speak and say don't don't send the SEAL Team 6 out first don't put the Marines in first tell the army to just hold back send the praise team in call Pastor Billy and get the praise team Who's who's on for this Sunday bring them out Tell the musicians to bring their instruments. And in the Bible, you read this in the Old Testament that the praise team would go ahead of the army of God and they would play and they would sing to the Lord and they would praise him. And as they praised him, the power of God would come down and God himself would defeat the enemies that are trying to annihilate the people of God. And God said, you got to go through me if you're going to touch them. And you ain't going to touch them because I'm going to overcome you. And you see, praise is a weapon. See, Satan, a lot of scholars, and I, I really believe this, a lot of scholars say that when Satan was Lucifer in heaven, before he fell, that he was over the music and the praise in heaven. I don't have the time to show you all that, but it talks about the timbrels and the things like that. I can show you in the Bible that and there's a really a good theology there that he was over praise. If you, you notice how Satan uses music to try to destroy people so much? It's because that's his thing. And so when he was in heaven, he praised, he led the, the, the choruses in, in praising God. And then when he was cast out of heaven, he lost that. And I think Satan hates praise. He wants to be praised. He doesn't want God praised. He wants to be recognized. He doesn't want anybody to even believe God exists. But when you praise God, God comes into your situation and the enemy is defeated and that's the power of praise. It's a weapon. So how do you praise the Lord? I'm not going to give you my list. I want to give you God's list. These are biblical examples, words in the Hebrew. I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm just giving you straight out of the Bible so that you don't think I'm trying to make you praise like me. I want us to do what God says. So how do you praise? Well, one way is through singing. We do that every Sunday. We've already done it today, haven't we? Singing is a way to praise the Lord. The songs talk about who God is and celebrate what he has done and by faith what he's done. We sang, gone, gone, my sins are gone. Done, done. What we were talking about, what God has done in our life through salvation. You see, that was a praise style song. We were celebrating what God has done. You can do it by pra- praise God by playing an instrument. We have lots of people who who come up here and they They never grab a mic and they say a word or sing a word, but they play an instrument through the service. That is a form of praising the Lord. And then there is shouting praises. Shouting praises. You know what shouting is, right? Y'all shouted once or twice in your life. That's biblical. Okay? Now I'm 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 doing this on purpose. Please patronize me. I'm trying to help us. I'm being pragmatic to a fault. I want to ask you to do something with me. Everybody in this church go yell glory just as loud as you can. Go. Glory. Woo! That was that was stout. <laughs> felt good, didn't it? <laughs> a couple guys going, I felt that. Everybody shout hallelujah! You know what hallelujah means? It means praise the Lord. It's a call to worship. When somebody yells hallelujah, that means everybody praise the Lord. Everybody yell, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, that felt good, didn't it? I didn't do this in the first place. Everybody go, that's nasty, Pastor. I was preaching in Odell Burns Church, and a a lady stood up, and I was preaching. She said, whoo, that!" she stood up like it. She said, mm, that's nasty, Pastor. That's nasty. I almost died laughing. And I was told that was a compliment. I said, thank you very much. Kept right on preaching. See, that woman had freedom. Come on. We're laughing, but you say, I never do that. Well, that's your problem. See, you're bound up. I, I, yeah, I've already done this once and I God's got to help me. When you don't you ever say I, I'll never do that. Because once you say I'll never do this, you have You put the handcuffs on. You need a key now. God's got to set you free. Don't ever say I'll never do that. You should say, God, I'll worship you, have and praise you, however, you want me to. I've had times I was in church, and God said, if you'll get up and walk around this church, I'll bring breakthrough. I'm saying, God, I don't want to get around and walk around this church. If you get up and walk around this church, and I'll bring breakthrough. Sometimes you have to be obedient. But it's shouting. Now, did you see how easy it was for you to shout? You should be doing that in church. When you feel prompted in your spirit, when something blesses you, you should be able to, when I'm preaching and something blesses you, you ought to be able to go, glory, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Woo! Sometimes you go, woo! Man, the Holy Ghost hit me. I go, woo! Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Bump your wife and say, Man, he's preaching today. Hallelujah. Somebody high five me. This is good stuff right now. Come on, Pastor. My God, he's been good to me this week. Hallelujah. I can't hardly sit here. Sometimes you just stand up like that woman did. Come on, Pastor. My God, what you're saying is the truth. He didn't do it for anybody else. He did it for me. People that God's been good to them, see, they, they got to let it out. That's why don't you spoil no new converts for me. New converts, they got to get it out. They don't know any protocol. They just say, Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See, that's what I'm, Yes. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what a testimony, that's what praise does. He healed me. He saved me, redeemed me. And see, when you come to church, nobody ought to have to sing four songs and it has to be your style and it has to be boom chick, boom chick, boom chick, boom chick, boom chick, boom chick. No, you should come with that already whether they're singing or playing or not. My God, he's just God. He's just God. That's the reason enough. Let me keep going. Clapping your hands, y'all just did that one. You got that one. Raising your hands, everybody raise your hands. See how easy that is. Put your hand down. Raise one hand. Put your hand down. See how easy that is. Said, well, "Why do I have to raise my hand?" Because the Bible says to do it. David, who I'm going to preach about, said, "I will lift up my hands unto Thy name." Somebody said, "When you were in school, you wanted to get the teacher's attention. What'd you do?" Raise your hand. Somebody said when you praise the Lord, you're getting God's attention. Somebody else said when when somebody says, stick them up. (laughs) You stick them up. What are you doing? You're surrendering. I want to see your hands. That's what you say to God. God, I surrender. I don't bring anything in my hand. I'm not here, God, to seek your hand. I'm just here to seek your face. Mm. Mm. Dancing is a form of praise. Now some of you right now go, "Mm -mm." Uh mm-mm. Now I dance. I do the huckabuck. (laughs) For all you non-Pentecostals trying to be Pentecostals, that's called the, everybody say huckabuck. That's the huckabuck. My boys make fun of my huckabuck. I don't care. Been doing it, I'm going to keep doing it. I've leaped, I've jumped. I can't dance very well. I can go to the left, to the left, to the left, to the right, to the right. Now kick, now kick, now walk it back. I walk that thing, baby. I got some swag on me, bad back and all. I'll do it to the back, okay, I'm mm, okay, I'm done. No more Cupid for me, Cupid's sitting down. Okay, I but that's not. I don't know that you can Cupid shuffle. God'll accept that as long as it's to Jesus. But y'all, the Bible says something. I don't believe in dance. The Bible says there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. You missed your time. Some of y'all been missing your time for 40 years. When I was growing up, it was a sin. So when I go to a wedding. I marry them, then I get out on the dance. I tell the DJ, you better do Cupid Shuffle because that's the only one I can do. If I electric slide, I'll hurt myself. But I can do that Cupid thing. (laughs) When they're done, I might drop it and I walk off the stage. I'm done. It was was a sin for so long, I decided when I learned that wasn't the case, I was going to dance at every wedding I can get to. But, y'all, there is a holy dance. There is a holy dance. Did y'all watch the voice where Todd Tillman was on that thing? Anybody watch the voice? You know there's a Church of God pastor on the voice right now. Yes, sir. Todd Tillman is a church of God pastor. And he he told him he was a church of God He told him was Pentecostal. And Blake Shelton said, he's jumped up and down. He said, whoo! Blake Shelton said, I must be a holy hop. Maybe he'll help Blake. I don't know. But anyway. Dancing is a form. Kneeling or bowing. Just kneeling. When's the last time you knelt before the Lord? When's the last time he just bowed in his presence? Let me just preach. Y'all all right? We got plenty of time. 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. It tells the story of a husband and a wife. A husband and a wife. One was free in their ability to praise, and one was bound in their ability to praise. David and Michal. The Bible says that David brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. It was the most sacred piece of furniture in Israel. The ark represented the presence and the power of God. There wasn't anything mystical about it. It was a piece of furniture. But the presence of God rested on it intentionally. He wanted it to be a symbol. He wanted it to make people look not at the ark, but to look at him. How many of you know that's our job? Okay. And so this ark was being brought into the city of Jerusalem. And David was there, and the elders of Israel were there, and the army was there, and the people were there. There, there were probably thousands of people there. They had instrumentalists, and man, it was going on. And the Bible says it was a joyous occasion. It was a glad occasion, and they started offering sacrifices and worship. And in my mind, Pastor Billy, that's like a typical church service. A good, they were having a good church service, right? Y'all come here, and you're happy. Y'all smile. You laugh and hug each other because we're family. We act like we're family because we are. And so you hug each other and we laugh and we're glad and we're smiling. You know, if you're in here and you're frowning, it's not our fault. You got something going on, but it's not our fault because we're happy and we sing and we go through the things that we're supposed to do. And it's a, we're, we're doing all the things that God's told us to do. But on that particular day, David was especially joyful and glad. Why? He was the king. He's just a little shepherd boy. Now, God made him the king of a nation. The nation had been polarized and divided, but now it was united. The city of Jerusalem, he wanted it to be the capital, and it had been in enemy hands. But they defeated the enemy, driven them out, and now he had possession of Jerusalem. I mean, today it's still the capital. And so you've got Jerusalem, and he's now, now it's the capital. And he's now His enemies have been defeated. There's peace in the land. And most of all, the Ark of the Covenant A piece of sacred furniture representing God is coming up into his new capital, into a tabernacle that David had erected for it, a tent. So now they could have worship right there in the city. David was excited. and He got so excited, he was so joyful that he decided he was going to praise the Lord. Now David was a praiser. David loved to praise the Lord. He was not bound up, y'all. This man was free. He got free that day. The Bible says, then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Now, let me just explain that to you. The Hebrew word for danced has this particular meaning. And later on, it actually says that he did these things, it means to spin around like a top. To whirl around. Now, I grew up Pentecostal. Y'all know my dad's talked about him all the time. My poor dad, I talk about him all the time. But my dad's a Pentecostal preacher. His dad was a Pentecostal preacher. So I've grown up in spirit-filled churches, all right? We do this. We don't, we're not being mean. We're not being disrespectful. It's just what you do, little terms of endearment. When people shout a certain way, we have to label it. It just helps us. We don't, we're not making fun. So what those of us, some of you who grew up in Pentecostal are going to understand this. What David did was a helicopter. That's the helicopter. So if you ever shout like that, we're going to go, hey, they're doing a helicopter. Hallelujah. David had his arms out spinning around wildly, wildly, going around the place. He had freedom. I want to teach you a few things. Number one, David eliminated anything that restrained him from being free with his praise. The Bible makes certain that we understand that David was wearing a linen ephod. It's a very simple, plain garment. It was the uniform of the ministers of the temple, the Levites and even the priests. That day, David took off the crown, removed the scepter, put on no royal attire. He wore the simple garb of a Levite. He was of the tribe of Judah. He was not a priest, but he wore the the garb of a priest, the garb of a minister in the temple. And here's what he was saying to God. See, he was expressing to God in how he dressed. God, today I'm not a king. I'm just your servant. I'm just a minister. I know where you brought me from, and I know who you are. I may be a king, but you're the king of kings, and you're the Lord of lords, and today's not about me. Today is all about you. Let me just preach to you. You need to identify the people and the things that restrict your freedom in praising God, and you need to deal with them. What are those things? I'm going to give you a a good solid list. One is our pride, our overbearing self-awareness, our pride. Our pride has hurt more people. Pride has bound up more people. Another one is our fear of man's judgment. What is somebody going to think? What are the visitors going to think? What are the guests going to think? What will my wife think? What will my husband think? What will my friend think? That's a bondage. You live your life worried about what somebody else thinks. That's a bondage. You need to see that. Sin will keep you from praising the Lord. Sin will bind you up. Your church background could be an issue. I know a lot of you, half of you come from a non-Pentecostal background. You didn't grow up in a spirit-filled church. You love what's happening here, but this is all new to you. You like it because you like the spirit of the Lord. But in your background, you didn't act like this. They didn't praise. Some of you didn't even go to church. But a lot of you went to church. They didn't praise. And if you got a little, you got a little out there, an usher would come over and tap you on the shoulder and say, you need to, you need to sit down and be quiet. Okay. And so, and so your background and well, listen, you're not in that church. You're in this church. I'm not that pastor. I've threatened to get the ushers to watch, and if you're sitting there and not doing anything too long, they're gonna come over and tap you on the shoulder and say, "You need to praise them a little bit more." Now you just need to get with it. Now you're lagging behind here. Don't make us take you out back. We'll lay hands on you, slap oil on you, and pray for you. Pray revival down on you. That's what I've threatened to do. You don't have to worry about that. That was then. This is now. You need to eliminate. Let me tell you the one that could be the worst is just ignorance. That's why I took time, to, I took time on purpose to tell you what praise is and describe praise and talk about what it does for you because sometimes we just don't know. David wore a linen ephod. A linen ephod was the uniform one worn by the Levites. Anyway, David said that day, I'm going to praise the Lord. Listen, you are a priest ordained to praise God. But Peter said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If nothing else gets you riled up, this ought to. God has saved you. God has justified you. God has redeemed you. God has adopted you as his child. God has protected you. God has healed you. God has delivered you. And he has done those things. And those are reason enough to praise and celebrate the Lord God Almighty. You can always have a reason to praise him. You can be down in the dumps and you still got a reason to praise him. Hell could be breathing down the back of your neck. You still got a reason to praise him. Your world may be crumbling, but you always got a reason to praise As long as there is God, you got a reason to praise him. My God, I feel an anointing to preach this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I love this. David's freedom in praise, it's right here, inspired others to get free. David cuts loose, and the Bible says that all Israel shouted and started playing the instruments. Now, the, 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 the parallel passage in Chronicles says there are other instruments there. Now, when I read that, I said, I know what they're doing. I've preached in enough black churches that I know what's going on. That's called churching. Now, white folk don't know much about churching. But church is fun. Church is fun. Matter of fact, y'all want to get a little taste of churching? Churching happens a lot of times when the pastor's preaching. Sometimes at the end of a good song. Help me out, Pastor Billy. Mm, yeah. You feel that? Yeah. Preaching, pastor's preaching in a big way. Yeah. He starts moaning. Uh, yeah. People start clapping. People start getting excited. It builds. People start feeling it. People are getting the freedom and all of a sudden one, two, three, four. dum 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 yeah! Woo! Three No. Yeah. See what that did to you? could sit down, could you? Yeah. I right, sit down. That's what happened. Might not have happened just like that. I bet David would have loved the organ, Deidre. Y'all like that organ? Make that organ sing a little bit, would you, Deidre? Ooh, yeah. Mm, That's up here on purpose. If that ain't for you, that's up here for me. Mm, Woo, that's getting in my bones. They started churching. That's what happened. David cut loose, then everybody else cut loose. It went crazy. There's a Hebrew word called shabak. It means riotous wild praise. How many of y'all ever been in a, in a Pentecostal search service where the glory of God came down and everybody just cut loose? We've had it happen here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. God just come down. people just start, They go all over the place. People start running around the aisles and people out in the aisles and people running to the altar and they just, whoo. Go ahead, that won't bother me. That's what happened. It broke David's freedom helped everybody else to get free. Sir, your wife and kids need to see you praising the Lord. Because your freedom will set the tone for the rest of the family. How are they ever gonna praise the Lord if you don't ever praise the Lord in church? They don't, your son or daughter don't ever see you. If your wife doesn't ever see you, praise the Lord. You need to praise the Lord. Church leaders, you need to you need to lead the way in praising the Lord. If the congregation is going to get inspired, the elders, the deacons, the life group leaders, the department leaders, their wives, y'all need to be, y'all need to be, if you're not and me and you're not praising and singing and worshiping and lifting your hands to Jesus, then, then how's it gonna affect everybody else? But if we'll do it, it can influence it. Did you know that praise can be the key to a service? I've been in a service where it was dead, dry, nothing was happening, and one person, one person, will cut loose, praising the Lord, and the thing will break loose, and God will bring victory in the house. I've seen it happen. I got I got time. I'm going to tell a story. I didn't tell him the first. There's a man by the name of Carl Richardson. Mom, dad, is Carl still alive? He's still living. Carl Richardson. Carl Richardson. I remember hearing this story as a teenager in a camp meeting. Carl Richardson was preaching in a camp meeting. He was an evangelist, did the television ministry for the Church of God. I heard him tell this story years ago, okay, Carl Richardson said when he was a teenager that he went to a church of God with his grandmother and he invited a friend, a teenage friend to church. I've told this story, but some of you have never heard it. He invited a teenage friend to church to come to church that Sunday night. He's over at his grandma's house that Sunday afternoon. He looked at his grandma and said, Grandma, I sure hope we don't have a good church service tonight. She said, Honey, shall I your mouth? Why would you even say something like that? He said, Well, i am invite my friend. And he said, I don't want it to get crazy. Scare him. She said, You ought to be ashamed of yourself. He said, Well, I felt bad when grandma said that. But he said, Deep down, I still hope we wouldn't have a good service. He said, His friend came, they sat on the back row, and he said, They were having church, and he said, Everything was going good, and they were almost to the preaching. He thought, If I get to the preaching, we'll be all right. And he said, Some old boy they invited to come sing had an old beat up guitar. See, it wasn't a guitar, it was a guitar. And he brought his guitar. And he said he got up there and he started tuning it while he was talking. He said things like, y'all pray for this. The devil got in it this week knocked it out of tune The whole time. Could you imagine that happening here on a Sunday morning? He's tuning it, talking. And, and, and Carl Richardson said, I'm safe with this cat. I don't have to worry about anything happening with this guy. And said he started singing some old spiritual ballad that had 12 verses and 17 choruses. But he said the longer he sung, Carl said, i had been in church enough to know the move of God. And he said the longer he sang that song, he said I could feel something happening in the atmosphere. And I said, oh no, oh no, oh no, this is not good. He said, now my grandma, when she shouted, he said it started in her shoulders. He said, her shoulders. And he said, then her head would get to bobbing. And he said, then she'd come up out of that seat. He said, I had my eye on Grandma. And he said, all of a sudden, I'm looking at the back. He said, I saw Grandma's shoulders go. And I went, oh, he called Richard said, I went, oh, no, Grandma, don't. He said, that head got to snapping, and he, she stood up and, whoa. She started shouting. When she did, it broke loose. Now, you ought to hear Carl Richardson tell it. He said they all started shouting in that church and people started praising the Lord. He said they had one old guy that would ball up his fist and throw it into the palm of his other hand and walk around the church saying, The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. That was his way of praising the Lord. He said they had another one that would do the helicopter. He said that one was that, that man or woman was spinning all over the church. He described the different ones. He said I was, he said, I was like this. He said, I peeked out of the corner of my eye. He said my friend was on the edge of his seat like this. <laughs> Carl said I just did the head tuck and shrunk in my seat. And he said, oh, God, he'll never come back to church. What is happening in this place? He said finally he took a risk one more time and he looked and his friend was gone. He said, Carl said I stood up. And said, oh, I bet he's out headed out the back door. Carl said, I stood up and he said, I looked. He wasn't going out the back door. He was headed down the aisle. And he said, his friend piled in the altar and gave his life to Jesus Christ that night. My God, I'm telling you, there's power in praise. There's power when you praise. Don't leave it up to the praise team. Don't leave it up to the pastor. There's power when you praise the Lord. I got somebody praise him in this house. Somebody praise him in this house. Somebody glorify him in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just, just sit down. I'm not done. We're going to praise him some more. I, uh, I, I got done preaching. They were still singing. I had to go out and get some water. I took Allegra last night. He drove me, dried me out. I went out there and got me an Allegra, I mean a water. Tim Tim was meeting me halfway because I'd drink it. take an Allegra. I just, and I saw three people head out the door in the first service. Tim and I kind of eyed each other. And we gave each other a look like, yep, they probably didn't like what went on in that altar service. May not have. They may just had to be somewhere. But you see, that's the fear and bondage that a lot of pastors have. They're afraid we can't get it too wild. We can't have too much praise. We can't celebrate too much because what if people come and then they say, oh, I can't handle that, and they leave. Let them leave. Let them leave because God will send you 25 in their place that say, I like this. I like the liberty. I like feeling the Holy Ghost. I want to run to the altar and get saved. You're not going to get them saved sitting there on your hands. you got to give God praise, and then he comes down and convicts the sinners, and they get saved. Give me just a few more minutes. We're good. It's only 12 o'clock. David's wife, let's talk about her for a minute. Michal. The procession went by the palace and she looked out the window and saw her husband dancing before the Lord with all his might in a linen ephod whirling around. And instead of being proud of her husband, instead of being grateful for his freedom and praise, Instead of appreciative of his spiritual leadership, instead of being inspired to join him, she should have run downstairs and run outside and shouted with him. The Bible says she despised him in her heart. When I read that, I had to, I had to kind of look twice, and I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It doesn't say that she despised his praise. And it doesn't say that she despised his freedom. She despised him. She made it personal. And then the next thing she did was criticize and mock David. She tried to belittle him for praising God. I'll I'll give you the King Chris version. You're the king, and kings don't act like that. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Don't you ever do that again in public. That's what she said to him. Here's some thoughts that I have. Some people aren't going to like your praising. They're not going to like your freedom, and they might even turn on you. They're in every church. There are people probably right now listening to me that you are having a hard time with this kind of message. You're fearful of what the result may be because you're turned off by praise services. You're turned off by moves of God. You're turned off by people shouting and singing and expressing their admiration for Jesus. I have never understood. I've been doing this for over 30 years. I have never understood why a person that is like that would even attend a church that wants to be free. Why would you want to be here and be critical of it? Go somewhere else where you where they sit first church of the frigid air and you can don't have to worry about it. So you need to prepare yourself for the critics and don't you dare let them get to you. I like what old Ray Hughes, he's gone on to heaven. But Dr. Ray Hughes, I heard him preach one time. He said, "I made up my mind. I'm never going to let any old goat steal my glory. If you got somebody that's criticizing you, they, I'm sorry, but they're an old goat. At least at that moment, don't you let an old goat steal your glory. Don't see when you criticize like that and you try to shame somebody into forfeiting their freedom. When you say things like that, it'll close up their spirit. It'll it'll kill any motivation they have, and it'll bind them up." Don't ever let anybody shame you into forfeiting your freedom. Listen to me, it's your birthright. It's your birthright. Come on, I said it's your birth. Don't let somebody steal your birthright. Don't sell out your birthright. It's your destiny. It's your purpose. It's your calling. You have an anointing to do this as a royal priesthood. You know what Michelle's problem was? I think she was worried about how David's praise would be perceived by the general public, and it was a PR issue for her. And I think she was bound up and controlled by pride and public opinion. I think one of the saddest places to be is to be bound up by pride and public opinion. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And you're so worried about how you're going to be perceived. And you're so worried about what people are going to think of you. And you're so worried about what's going to be put on the internet the ne- that night or the next day. You're so worried about looking like certain something. Pride's a sin. Exuberant praise isn't a sin, but pride is a sin it needs to be repented of. Who cares what other things? You get my age, you quit worrying about it. Those of you who are young, you're just gonna have to just work on it. Don't worry about what other people think. They don't know anything anyway. When you get my age, you don't care because your hair's falling out, it's turning gray, you got wrinkles, and your muscle mass is gone, and your back hurts. You got nothing to impress with anymore. Okay? You don't care. It's liberating, is it not? It's liberating. The only person you ought to care about what they think is Jesus. Wait, I, I know this was in my notes somewhere. I can't find it. But if you're, if you're worried about your spouse, get in the car today. When, I, when we get out of here in a little bit, get in your car and look at your spouse and say, Okay, Pastor Chris, open the door. I have been wanting to praise the Lord in a new level, in another dimension. I've wanted to be expressive, but I have worried about you. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Can we talk about this? Have that conversation. If you've been holding off, have that conversation. And the other spouse, make sure you respond appropriately. Because if Leah did that to me, I would go, good Lord in heaven, honey, no, I would never, ever want to be guilty of hindering you. You praise God the way you feel like it. You, you worship the Lord. You do whatever you feel like doing. Don't you dare. Matter of fact, maybe I need to step up my game a little bit. See what I'm saying? Is this good preaching? It's good preaching. So let me just show you something that was sad. God cursed Michal. This is If you read, it's there. God cursed Michelle so that she never bore children. You kill praise and it'll kill God's blessing on your life. You kill praise and it'll it'll kill God's blessing on a local church. Bondage will make you barren. There won't be any spiritual fruit in your life. Bondage makes you barren. Killing praise will kill kill your spirituality. It'll kill your faith. It'll kill your testimony. It'll kill your your influence. Y'all, come on, I'm, I'm done. Singers, come out, come out, wherever you are. I like David's response. Now, Michelle got chippy. So David got chippy back. You couples ever get chippy? Lee and I never get chippy with each other. I said, babe, we don't ever get chippy with each other, do we? No. She just said she lied in God's house. (laughs) You know how you women get your hair colored all the time? I still remember her original color. It had a little red tint in it. I married a slight redhead. The feistiness in that Georgia peach behind my shoulder. Every once in a while, she get chippy. I'll get chippy. Well, one gets chippy, the other's going to get chippy. Right? Michelle got chippy with David. David got chippy back. He said, woman, you listen to me. You better remember that your daddy used to be the king. Your daddy used to be in charge, but your daddy lost the anointing. Your daddy walked away from this God that I've been praising, and he lost everything. And the only reason you still have access to any of this is because you're married to me. You have forgotten how your daddy did, but you better look at your husband. I am who I am, and I am where I am because of God. Everything I've got has come from God. You were born into royalty, but not me. I was a shepherd boy out in the field. I don't know why he plucked me up. I don't know why he did what he did to me, but God gave me what I have. God made me what I am. So you think I praised him this Sunday? You wait till I get into church next Sunday. You ain't seen nothing yet because I'm gonna praise him and I'm gonna worship him because God's been good to me. Come on, somebody. If God's been good to you, stand to your feet and give him praise in this house.